Welcome to another episode of the Great Fancy Baseball Invitational Podcast. I'm Justin Mason, lead fantasy writer and analyst of Friends of FancyBenefits.com. This is kind of a special episode and series of episodes on the TGFBI podcast because this is Potapalooza 2022. And what Potapalooza is, is it's a two-day live stream event in which we... Uh, get a bunch of fantasy analysts together over the course of two days uh, and talk fantasy baseball in order to raise money for charity. This year's charity was Big League Impact. You will hear all about it throughout the episodes. Uh, there are going to be 16 different episodes in total. Hopefully you enjoy them. But just keep in mind that this is a live stream event, and so there may be audio problems. Some people uh, had better mics than others. Some people have better internet connection than others. So I apologize if there's any sort of audio issues, but we kind of did the best that we could given the circumstances. Uh, but if you want to uh, help out, you can uh, give us a rate and review of Five Star Variety. That really, really helps us out. Or you can still donate. I'm still accepting donations, uh, and every dollar that uh, is donated gets you a raffle ticket uh, in to win uh, TGFBI entries. For every $1,000 I raise through this event, and after, I will give out a TGFBI entry for 2023. So if you want to donate, justinmasonfantasy at gmail.com is the PayPal. At Justin Salinger is the Venmo. Really appreciate everybody who came and watched it live. You can catch the replay of the video version over on my YouTube, which is Justin Mason FWFB. Well, without further ado, here is this hour of Potapalooza 2022. Speaking of cool prizes, we have one of my favorite people in the industry. We have Nick Pollock here. What's up, everybody? How are we doing? Nick, remind everybody where you can be reached and what you do. Well, uh, you know, normally you can't be reached here in this weird uh, little studio uh, up in Cape Cod. But, uh, but yeah, um, come by a pitcher list. Um, Messiah founded. We uh, we go over everything pitching, have some of the coolest player pages you ever find to do your baseball research. And yeah, you can find me on Twitch, 9 to 11 a.m. every day, every weekday morning, Eastern time. Talk about everything that you want. Fantasy baseball, it's fun. Justin, I'm so happy you're doing this. I was worried, honestly, because the beginning of the year, you know, normally it's like, I don't know, January, February. And uh, here we With are, we're doing it. And I'm super happy that we are. With the lockout, I just didn't know, yeah, you know, sense. and it, it was a really busy preseason for me, unfortunately, and I just didn't have time to make it work. But my wife forced me. She literally twisted my arm and said, you are doing pot of That's Danielle. We this should all be year. thanking Danielle more and more. We should. Day. Yeah, absolutely. She she is the brains behind the operation. And so, you know, for those of you who say I have no brains, blame her. She's the <laughs> brain. <laughs> Joining us as well is my good buddy, Eric Samalski. Eric, remind everybody where you can be reached and what you do. Uh, yeah, so you can find all my fantasy baseball stuff at uh, Roto Baller, uh, and you can check out uh, the podcast Catcher's Corner, uh, which I do with my friend Sammy Ackley. We uh, took a few weeks off because my wife just gave birth to our first uh, child. Uh, but now we are. Thank you. Uh, so we're going to get that podcast back up and rolling. And then you can find uh, all of my betting content and just regular sports journalism um, at AM New York 
sports, which is amny.com slash sports. Uh, Nick, I wore all my old Packer gear. Oh, my God. You. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> if you guys don't know, uh, I went to Berkeley Carroll and Eric went to Packer, and uh, these were we were rival schools growing up uh, in Brooklyn. Oh man, the Pelicans! Wow, look at yeah. that. This is actually I I coached this year the middle school baseball team, so this is fresh merch Ooh, right here. Look at you, man. Yeah, um, Nick Nick and I didn't get a chance to play against each other, but uh, no. I played against him in, when Ottavino was at Berkeley. Nice. So yeah. there you go. Uh, small world, we have two guys from rival schools that are put pitching gurus. Speaking of pitching gurus, we have my uh, good buddy and co-host on the sleeper in the bus, Paul Spore. And I have a special banner that I still have for, uh, for Paul. Uh-oh. There we go. That's that. That I don't know if Paul, Paul remembers that. I do the, remember first, that. Yes. the first time I figured out how to do a ticker, yeah, I did this. Oh, You're very proud of yourself. Though? It could be another one. Yeah, for for, for no, those who don't, know, for those who are uh, or just listening later on, it does the ticker at the moment says Paul is dumb. Do not listen to him. Paul, remind everybody where you can reach social media and then plug all your work uh, on Twitter at Spore on Twitch at Spore as well. Fan graphs. Uh, we got the Sleeper in the Bus podcast articles going up. Excited for the second half. You know, I, I need a little bit of time off from the grind, but uh, ready to kick it back into high gear. We got the trade deadline coming up. I'll use that opportunity to promote. Nick and I will be doing our, our trade deadline show for the fourth year in a row, fifth year. Yeah, something it's, like that. I don't know. It, I'm gonna, it, are you going to wear a good suit this year? You're we're starting have, to like, add up. One? Hey, man, I'm sorry I shrunk, bro. I don't know. Th- those didn't fit. You, just wait. <laughs> <laughs> just wait though you better you better bring your a game let me just say of that. course you know let me just Absolutely. say that i'm excited i'm excited we're gonna have we have a great trade deadline show so that'll be on twitch uh during the deadline might even be on the fan graphs twitch i don't know for sure yet I'm, I'm working that behind the scenes but anyway excited to talk some pitching justin do you need me to go ahead and take over right now yeah why don't you take <clears> over for a couple minutes while i uh go run use the bathroom and, and take a quick break let him catch uh, a breather here i'll, I'll yeah. take, handle the first couple questions i so. appreciate it i shall no return. problem no problem. Let's go ahead and dive in, y'all. Let's just start. Let's start at the top. Let's start by being a little bit tough on ourselves. Nick, I'll start with you. What pitcher were you most wrong about during draft season? Either yeah, way, um, someone you faded that's badass, or somebody that you were like, Ugh, I can't touch him, and or, or someone that you were like, I got to get him, got to get him, and he's gone the other way. Who were you most? I, wrong I, can, go, about? I can go a lot of guys. Uh, first of all, I want to give full props to Dylan Cease, even though the whip is still high. I didn't expect him to be this productive otherwise. Um, through the year, that slider is very honorable man. Such here. a big way. All the Dylan C's, you know, you know, everyone was thinking it on the front of their mind. It's still weird a little bit. The one nineteen whip. Yeah, here's the thing. Like, let me be. Let me be clear. By the way, one nineteen whip does not jump off the page as as high to people generally speaking. When you have a two fifteen ERA, a one nineteen whip is very high. Just yeah, so people know, like that is a good whip in theory. <laughs> um, but, but I oh no, ERA. I've got the internet. Uh-oh. He'd like predicted that he was he, about he to knew that was coming. Out. He knew wow. that he was new. So let's uh, wait for Nick to get back. Let's shift <laughs> to you, Eric. Who were you most wrong about uh, uh, uh this year? Yeah, yeah. So w- listen, I didn't listen to you know John Legaza and a bunch of other people no who were saying uh Walker Bueller was a trap. Um I had Walker Bueller as my SP six overall. Uh luckily um, I didn't get him in a lot of places just because when I was drafting, I, I was at the back half of the first round or kind of that back half of the middle of the first and got a lot of Cole and, and Burns, which worked out. Um, and then uh, kind of fitting after yesterday, but uh, I had Lucas Giolito in my top 10. 
and um, that has really not worked out. Between the injuries at the beginning of the season um, and then just this really rough stretch of performances, the strikeouts are there. Um, and I know he got kind of like there was a lot of soft contact yesterday. It wasn't like he was getting blasted around the yard, but um, I feel like that's kind of um, the MO. Or And then also there's the Tony La Russa MO of like, I feel like these starts in June, they're like five really good innings or five, you know, fine innings. And then he goes out for the sixth and gives up like three runs. And then the line is trash. And, you know, you're kind of like, why did, why am I doing this dance with him every time? So that's that has, been a letdown for me. Yeah, that has been problematic there. The, the tough part with Giolito is he really looked like he was coming out of it until yesterday's start. A couple bad innings against Detroit were really the only blemishes over the last four starts. Looked like that command was starting to come through again for Giolito. And then he gets blasted by Cleveland. Nick, uh, you predicted that your internet was going to get you there. That was crazy because you were like pointing up to it and like you froze like that. And it you was know, like I'm trying here. Time. All right. You knew. I don't you have knew. my massive studio. I'm by, I'm by the way about Giolito. Uh, he was at 91.8 miles per hour the previous start, even though he did well. And then this one was around 92. That's right. And that's, that's right. not the 93, 94, right? Yeah. We're, we're not and that's why quite... we pay attention to Velo dip, oh, right? So because close. You, you can succeed when the Velo drops, but you got to be mindful of it. It can definitely come back to get you. So let's pick up with you, Nick. Um, who were the guys that you were going to talk about? or guys? I mean, about? Tony Gonsolin, I was, totally was out, by the way. I was like, nah, not a chance. He needs to get a slider back to what it was in 2020. It wasn't there in 2021. What the Dodgers are going to do? And it's kind of weird. Dodge Riders doesn't exist anymore. I don't know. Right? Um, well, they don't, I, kind of I know exactly they why. A lot of options. They would maybe might in the might else. in the second half. You get it May back the and half, Heaney they, back, and but yeah. they haven't had options. That's why. Yeah. That's exactly why. Is that they've been out of options. They haven't been able to play Dodge Riders. They need everybody to go right now. So Gonsolin's been able to recapture that command, and all of it's a sudden amazing. he's kind of a workhorse. He's going six innings on uh, you know consistently seven plus uh, a couple starts in a row as well absolutely and Gonsolin yeah really find the slider for strikes that's a huge huge deal for him that actually was why I was hesitant even when he was successful earlier on the season I thought it was going to fall off which is why I'm super wrong about Tony Gonsolin <laughs> not just not just talking about February and March we're talking actually the April stuff the things that I really lean on for myself and uh, Tony Gonsolin just kept going and I go all right well Totally missed that one. Hopefully, I got at least one right. I uh, come in you April got plenty and right. Don't you worry. <laughs> uh, we'll get into some of that. But yeah, Gonsolin was a tough one. I was definitely worried about his command. He was somebody I liked, but then 5.5 walks last year uh, per nine, even only in 55 innings. A little bit of injury concern there too. I was just a little. I was pretty tepid on on Tony Gonsolin. I didn't really know where to go. As far as I'm going to go uh, with, with my bigness, it's actually going to be a little, little bit of a props to Nick because. It's the guy that we had a split on it was Alec Manoa and it was one that was really tough for me because it was one of those love the player nervous about the outcome wanted to be wanted him to be great really wanted to dive in and just buy off of this first season but I worried about two pitch mix which could lead to a platoon split which he actually still has he has over a 200 point platoon split but when you only have a 468 OPS against righties that 689 against lefties is palatable. So I worried that the division uh, would be a little bit of an issue. I was worried about maybe a burgeoning home run issue. Nope, he's been amazing. Alec Manoa has been awesome. It's one of those where I'm okay to be wrong about it because I do like him so much, but I don't have him anywhere. So I'm taking a fat out on Alec Manoa. He's been brilliant this year, and I'm glad. I, like I said, I wanted him to be ready day one. I thought there might be a little bit of lull this year and then take off next year, but that has not been the case. He's been excellent. Uh, let's move on to the other way.
It's only it's only the halfway point. I know it's not the exact halfway point, by the way. Uh, and it's okay to call it the second half. Halves don't have to be equal. They often are, but they don't have to be equal. So it is the second half of the season, and uh, we want to be careful getting too full of ourselves. But let's take a little victory lap here. Nick, let's start. Which pitcher would you like to take a victory lap on from draft season? Somebody that you were like, I nailed that one. I feel pretty good, and it would take a pretty big upset in the second half to to turn the uh, to turn the tide on it. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty funny for me to say the person that was the first pitcher I took in Tout Wars. I uh, but it's Ranger Suarez for me. And um, I took him great when Wars you got him and he was an I loved it. And yep. I thought that even though I don't think he's going to be great like other people are thinking, at least I would get some value in my RP well, slot. Explain, yeah, explain that we have to have two RP. You slots have to have two in the points league. And I was just like, I want a starter in that slot. Sweet, I got yep. Ranger Suarez. So be fine enough in a points league for that. He has a 142 whip right now. And I think that's you were dead that's right about him. All I need way. to say about Ranger Suarez, I got that yep. one. There, this, this is something that does happen a lot. Sometimes I'm wrong about it, um, where we see two months of a pitcher who is essentially a Toby on a Vargas rule. And what that means is essentially they're just on a good stretch where they're avoiding the heart of the plate a lot and they're relying super heavily on good command of the edges so that their stuff that isn't actually that good seems like it's almost ace level as far as the performance goes. And it can be so hard at the end of the year to be like, okay, is this going to actually stick around for next year? Is this a real skill that has been uh, added to this guy's arsenal or not? And it was hard to tell with Ranger Suarez. I watched a lot of it. I kind of thought it didn't. Fortunately for me, I guess, it went that way. Um, it yeah, could I mean, he very well had... be someone else this year that we talk about. I don't know. Like, Miles Michaelis, is that going to stick? I don't think so next year. But we're going to have those conversations again. Um, and yeah, Ranger Suarez just has not been that guy uh, for a lot of people this year. I, I put Michaelis in a, in a much different class, to be honest. I mean, he has mm -hmm. a 200 inning season like this, even the 184 yeah, very following fair. year in 2019, a little bit different, but you were dead on The ratio is really low. We don't expect. Yeah, I, I feel that like with, with non-dominance, like nobody yeah. will predict Miles Michaelis to be sub three ERA, but right. I think mid threes as a projection works, but with Ranger Suarez, you were out on the stuff. Um, the, the schedule thing you had talked about too, but you always went back to, it's not the stuff's not that good and i thought the regression of the stuff from that period to quote-unquote normal would still be pretty good and it's like okay i'm lucky that i play you know primarily 15 teamers so the fact that i like suarez is not killing me as much 407 142 but that whip is devastating so yeah fat alan suarez for me that was another one we disagreed on you got a big dub there eric somebody that you that you did really well on this year uh, whether you faded them or drafted them, who's a pitcher you got right that you want to take a victory lap on early on here? Or not early on, but midway through. Midway through. Yeah, I was, I was pretty high on Joe Musgrove coming in. I had him um, as my SP10. Um, and um, I just, you know, the the walk rates improved uh, a little bit more ground balls, which has limited the home run to fly ball rate. And we'll see if that can, you know, maintain in the second half of the year. Um, you know, the strikeout numbers are down a little bit from last year, but nothing really all that meaningful um, and the ratios are, are great. I mean, there's really nothing much to complain about um, and, you know, playing on a good team. So we're getting, you know, good opportunities for wins. And hopefully when Tatis comes back, which seems to be, you know, inching closer and closer, um, that becomes a little bit more of a, a potent offense behind him as well. Uh, so that's worked out well for me um, in terms of like fading. Um, I, I was not in at all on, on Jose Barrios, um, and it was for the oh, same reasons crazy. that you mentioned with Manoa and also on the other side of the coin, part of why I unfairly docked Kevin Gossman 
Um, and that proved to be wrong. But yeah. like, you know, I, I had real concerns like Berrios's swinging strike rates were going in the wrong direction. And then he was going to get a full year in Toronto against the AL East. And it just, to me, based on where he was going in drafts, was just not something that I was interested in in doing. I figured that the profile that I felt like he was going to have was something I felt like you could get later on. Um, That's totally fair. And then I'll say the, the only other thing, like I, I and, you know, all like Sammy joked with me on Catcher's Corner a lot. Like I had a obsession with Shane McClanahan last year, like <laughs> watched his first few starts and was just like, this is the greatest pitcher that has ever pitched in baseball <laughs> and I need to get him everywhere. And I was so like adamant going into the season. And then I did the thing that I think a lot of us do sometimes, which is like, you know, early February or late January, I was like, this is a guy. I need to get this guy. I need to get this guy. And then I started I already know where this is going. reading, not like I'm not blaming other people, but no, like no, you, I, you I listen, know. you listen to people who are smart and you start to think, okay, maybe I'm being overly aggressive. All right. Maybe if I make him, you know, SP 17, 18, like I could still get him places and not have to be overly aggressive. And I have like one share of Shane McClanahan this year and it's crushing me. And it's like one of those things where every year I, I tell myself this of like, if you have a guy you like, I'd rather I'd rather lose because I put my faith in the guy that I thought was exactly. going to do well and he didn't than, than the reverse. And right now, like, see the guy do well and I don't have him because yeah. I was gun shy. And I yep. just think, you know, we do this dance every year and sometimes it's just worth reminding yourselves that, like, if you see something, even if other people don't, like, trust it and if it doesn't work you can just say like you know i, I rolled the dice and it didn't work yeah go, go down with the guys that you like we talk about getting your guys all the time because you're going to just feel a lot better even if it goes wrong at least it's with the guys that you studied you believed in you wanted to go for i feel like that's just the better way to play for me like and i never want to be stuck with a guy whose adp like a guy i didn't like whose adp falls i'm like well at five rounds cheaper i guess i'll take him even though you didn't like him and then you're like and then he ends up not doing well. So you're right that he wasn't a good player, but you have him because you took the discount and right. now you're being punished for being correct in a way. Uh, that's the, not the, that's the opposite of what you're talking about with the McClanahan where you got talked off of him, but uh, both of those are nerve wracking. So I just get my guys and I, if I like somebody I'm going for him and a guy that I really liked, I, I will give Nick a little, uh, some credit here too is our boy sandy now this is a dual named flamingo here this is nick gave this to me at the arizona fall league we had a little bit of an argument where somebody was very overly animated you can try to figure out who was animated within the conversation i won't name names uh, of who it was and it was a friendly argument but it was fun we weren't like mad at each other but we did uh get going there and then you know next day he got that over there at uh, at walmart and his nickname Sandy for Patrick Sandoval and Sandy Alcantara. Now, I'm not the first one on Sandy Alcantara. In fact, it was Nick last year, and I was e I would I would get on my text and I'd be like, Alex, you got to. It was Shelly before, <laughs> before that. It was Shelly before you. Okay, him. but I but you would you were promoting him last year all on on the corner, and I was just like, I like Sandy, but how are you ranking him this high without the goods? And I'd text Alex. I'd be like, you got to tell him to stop ranking him so high because those strikeouts aren't there yet. And, and you know, he was kind of like betting on the come Nick was with, with 
uh, Sandy Alcantara. And it did come through last year in the second half. And that's when I became a true believer. So I'm not the first one there. Uh, Nick's saying he's not either. But uh, listen, Shelly is amazing, but she's a little quieter. So she needs the bullhorns of Nick and I <laughs> to push out the great information that she's delivering and, and the hype on somebody like Sandy. So I took that and ran with it. He was a guy I loved all preseason could not get enough of, could not talk up enough of, ended up making it my NL Cy Young pick, so I feel pretty good about Sandy Alcantara. That, I love that. that. Come on. That's I mean, a pretty good just, one. You're pandering to me, Spore. <laughs> Listen, I, I, don't, I don't get there without you. Like, I'm, I'm you know, like, I'm not a, above giving credit when I latch onto a player via one of my friends. Like, I was not the first one there, but once I got there, I became an avid fan. I'm in the front row waving my pen. Yeah, right. Sandy Alcantara, Sandy Alcantara. <laughs> so, yeah, I give you the credit for putting me on, but now I bullhorned it out to everybody else about how hmm. good he was. Yeah, um, uh, I, I'm going to go back to what Eric said, and the, the most frustrating part of draft season for me is is every year, and I do this every year. Like I, I there are guys I really like, or guys I really dislike. Every and year you do. Every year I get talked back. Uh, by the crowd and by my co-host, Mr. Sporeon, <laughs> guys. And every year I kick myself. There, there's always one. Last year I, was Craig Kimbrell. Uh, this year I was talking was back in on uh, Mitch Hanniger. And, ugh, like, it just – it happens every year. But um, let's, uh, let's talk about who you guys think the pitcher that is going to break out in the second half. Nick, I'll start with you. Who's your guy that you think could break out in the second half? Oh, God. I don't know. I mean, okay, I wanted it to be Lucas Giolito. Then he had the velocity dropping. I'm like, yeah. ah, well, that's stupid. Uh, you're not supposed to do that. Um, I I'm going to do someone that I think I could have even said was one of my wrong guys. Like, I at the beginning of the year, um, I'm very much about, hey, April stuff. You got to be more aggressive on exciting things in April because it could be your Tony Gonsolin, right? It could be mm -hmm. the things that really stick for the entire year. It could be Carlos Rodon the previous year, Robbie Ray, and so on. Uh, so I was in on both. You know, Matt Brash, and I was in on Reed Detmers. And, oops, uh, sorry, um, but Reed Detmers is actually kind of interesting again now because when he came back from the minors, he started throwing not only his new slider, uh, but also harder one. And now he's also utilizing it more as a second pitch as opposed to the curveball. First two starts, he had success. I don't think it was really that believable success. I actually have him as a do not start tomorrow um, against Atlanta. However, I am really curious to see how Detmers progresses in the second half with that slider because once he starts getting whiffs with that and being able to confidently put it inside and down to right-handers and away to lefties, that curveball's still really good. And he has good fastball intent up that I think can get a lot of whiffs. So then you have a real three-pitch mix and the missing piece that Detmers didn't have in the first two months of the year. So I, I'm going to lean on Reed Detmers just a little bit just because I think that's really fun, too. He might, what is he now, 23 now? Did he just turn 23? I mean, this kid is going to keep developing for a while. Um, I already know spores, uh, but I have a feeling, because, I mean, he still hasn't lit, uh, been removed from his top, I don't know, 30 pick Who? But, uh, or spot or whatever. I mean, come on, we all know. He, he rhymes with Farrick. But uh, but anyway, uh, Detmers is my is my guy in the second half. I, I'm really curious to see how he develops. All right, Paul, who's your guy that rhymes with Derek? I don't know. Let me let me pull up my rankings. Real quick. <laughs> uh, I think I got a good idea that it maybe someone we're talking about a little bit later on the rundown. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, we are. We absolutely oh. are. Oh, we'll so, that up. Yes, we are. So, why don't you give your guy who you think uh, oh, could oh, 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 first thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
yeah, yeah I, got, I got to account for that. Uh, so I had a little bit of a tough time on this one. You know, um, Justin and I just did a show talking about some guys with four or higher Sierras uh, that we thought could could do some things in the second half. Uh, Detmers was on that. I actually really liked that call out. I'm sticking with Detmers all the way through. I, I mean, long term, beyond this season. Like It might not come this year either, but the strikeouts did jump up, so that's a good one. I'm going to go with one who's already kind of breaking out, so I'm, I'm cheating a little bit, admittedly. But people might not recognize it because his bottom line is still pretty high. But I think Charlie Morton is this year's Luis Castillo. That when we look up at the end of the year, he's going to have four amazing months after the two bad ones. He had a 547 ERA through through May. Uh, since then, he's had a 307 ERA over his last night. So like I said, the breakout's kind of already started here. But I think it's going to continue. I think he's back. Uh, he kind of showed elements throughout those first 10 starts that made it tough to really – cut him uh, or even bench him really because you'd get those glimpses in every start if it was a four inning start three innings were good one was bad if it was a six inning start five were good one was like it was always that like one bad inning type of deal well he's kind of fixed that now uh, and he's been pretty excellent I mean he did give up five to the Mets in the second in the start before the break but bounced back yesterday with six scoreless I think Charlie Morton is is there and and ready to go if you want something a bit deeper of somebody that I guess this one's kind of already breaking out too, though, but I love what Braxton Garrett's doing uh, in Miami. And I definitely think that he's somebody that is still too available in shallower formats. I think after yesterday's start, a second straight domination of Pittsburgh, he will be more rapidly picked up, but I like Braxton Garrett as well. You know, really quickly uh, on Charlie Morton, it's kind of interesting. Last year, it was like six starts and then he went going, got going. I was like yes. middle of May. This year now it's like 10 starts. And then, like, next in two year, years, he's going to be 20 starts. He's going to yeah. be okay. You know? His final 10 are going to be but, uh, <laughs> um, But with Garrett, I'm really, I'm really curious because, well, it's just been two starts against Pittsburgh, right? But the slider had 10 whiffs yesterday, and the sinker that had nine whiffs in the previous one, it's like Josh Fleming, who had, like, 21 in his first two with a sinker and then had one in his next two, and he had zero whiffs on the sinker yesterday. Josh and Fleming, so I do but, wonder but good. if Garrett can keep <laughs> making that work with the slider going 10 out of, I think, like 26 whiffs on it, which is insanely good. Mm -hmm. um, and it's going to be a nice little test next time out. It's going to be a little bit harder than the Pirates. Yeah, uh, so you, we'll you, see. He's going to be, I believe, in Cincinnati. Uh, and and that'll be, that might be a, good be a great challenge. See. But I like that call. Thank you. Eric, Go ahead, what Ryan. about you? Who's the guy you think is going to break out in the second half? Yeah, I was also going to talk about Garrett. Um, Michael Simeone and I were talking about it on Twitter yesterday when I thought he was going to be here joining us today. Mm. Um, and uh, But yeah, I mean, Garrett, for, for all the same reasons that Paul was mentioning and Nick just mentioned the, the increased slider usage, um, you know, I, I think that that has also made him rely less on the fastball, which has helped the fastball play up a little more because he's not using it um, as his primary pitch. Uh, the results have been really good. I know the competition it hasn't been great. He's also throwing harder this year than last year, um, up over a mile per hour on the fastball. He's still like mid like ninety one five, I think. So it's not like he's you know burning things past guys. But it is interesting. Um, you know, Edward Cabrera is nearing a return. Jesus Lazardo is nearing a return. Um, he is in AAA right now, I believe, on a, a rehab assignment. Um, so who mm -hmm. knows what Miami's going to do? With that rotation, um, you know, Max Meyer has one, maybe two more starts to see if he can stick in the rotation. Um, if he looks really good, then, you know, I, I don't really know how they're going to make that work. I don't think Garrett has basically earned a spot until he hits a bump. Um, but if they have a bunch of healthy arms and he hits a bump, he might be going back down. But like Paul was mentioning at this point, the cost is so minimal 
that you know you you keep him on your team. You're you're playing your matchups with him, and you know hopefully you picked him up after the last start you got yesterday. Um, so he's a, a pick I really like for the second half. And then I, I can't believe I'm going to say this after yesterday, but I'm going to go by the numbers and just kind of assume also that yesterday we're going to go a little bit of a, a blip. Um, I still think I still believe in Nathan Eovaldi. Um, I knew that's what you were going to say. And I think that you can probably get him for, for next to nothing after yesterday's start. Um, and the start coming back from uh, injury against the Yankees. I will say to watch the fastball velocity because he was uh, around 94.7 yesterday. It's a little bit lower than he usually is. Um, but the swing strike rates are still good. Um, so the K minus walk rate is still good. The ground ball rate over the last month has been higher, um, which is good because it's limiting obviously, uh, fly balls, which helps to limit home runs. Um, the barrel rate on Eovaldi is like around eight, which isn't ideal, but it's not something that is like astronomically high. Um, I just think that like, I'm not saying, you know, you're going to get Nathan Eovaldi and he's going to do what Dylan Cease did in the first half. I'm saying that right now, Nathan Eovaldi with a 430 ERA is somebody that people are probably thinking like, I could even just cut this dude. Um, and I think that you could still get a like a mid threes ERA from him in the second half with good strikeout numbers. Um, and so breakout in the sense of like, I think you could get a lot of value on him based on where he's at right now. Um, and then there's a guy later that I think we'll mention based on the rundown well, that I like. Either Baldy, uh, the biggest question is, is he still hurt? Because it's been yeah, two starts of, exactly uh, of, of bad velocity. Change yeah. of the velocity. Mm-hmm. Which, like, if you guys know Evaldi, it's like, that guy's supposed to be throwing, like, 98 with regularity yeah. or something, you know? Yeah. And I, to see I that, it's like, oh, God, that's too straight. Yeah. But we've also seen maybe Zach Wheeler in the beginning of the year had lower velocity. He needed more time to ramp up. And maybe that's what it is with Evaldi. I'm just going to say two names, Aaron Ashby and Nick Lodolo, because they just need to be mentioned. Yes. And we'll just sure. say, hey, guys, you exist. And we know you're a thing. Yep. So you, nice you'd be shocked. You'd like be shocked based, yeah, based on my McClanahan love that I have a lot of Detmers and Ashby and Lodolo. Yeah, I, think of I, course, ha- yeah. I have like a, I have a <laughs> young lefties have a are thing. your thing. How do yeah. we not? High, high velocity young lefties. Yeah. I, I'd really like Ashby to get it together. I, I picked him yeah. up in a, in a pretty big money league, and it's just not been uh, what I uh, had expected. Next. This is, you know, this is within. The, the outcome range. Though. Absolutely. I, I definitely think he can fix it and have a big second half. I, I just like don't Ashby. like the times he goes out for two innings and gives not, up two not runs. Tons, like that's, tons of fun. That, yeah, that's not uh, fun at all. Uh, let's talk about a guy who you think uh, will fade after a, a strong start to the season. Eric, who you got? Um. Oh, man. I mean, oh, actually, no, we're not that we're not the one that I'm really disappointed. In. Uh, I'm going to go with Michael Kopech. Um, so I, I think the, the surface level numbers are not really yet caught up to like what we've been seeing the last couple of, of starts. I mean, you know, he's rocking a three thirty six ERA right now, which most people would look at and be like, okay, I, I've got nothing, no problems with that. The, the swing and miss has not been there, right? A nine. If he's on your team, you know, that ERA right, is exactly. not comforting <laughs> at all. A 9.4 strikeout minus walk ratio is not what you expect from this guy that was like a flamethrower that was moving into the rotation that was going to, you know, this high uh, touted prospect back when he was with Boston. Um, There's been some velocity issues in the last few starts. Uh, That ERA comes with a 489 Sierra, a 505 XFIP. 
Um, you know, the the walk rate right now being up at it's like 12.3 is just not something that you can live with. Um, and I'm, you know, with a young pitcher who is still new to starting, I think we need to like keep that in mind, right? This is his first year as a starter. So there is the thought Good that point. like, oh, velocity going up and down and, you know, trying to kind of maximize his pitch mix for longer outings isn't going to be something he learns immediately. It might be a you know trial and error, something that works at the beginning and then hitters adjust. So I, but I, I'm just concerned about the the whole profile, right? Like if he was missing a lot of bats, but the results were inconsistent, you could say, all right, the raw stuff is there, but there needs to be some fine tuning. There needs to be, you know, a little bit of maybe tweaks and how he attacks hitters. And you can see a second half, you know, that backs up the ERA. I just mm-hmm. think we might see a, a blow up. Um, I, I think I, that's I, completely fair on Kovac. Yeah, the yeah. knee too. I wonder how that knee is. Yeah, actually that, that's that's where I'm at. Like, is that bothering him? Because he's been he's been bad. And like I said, having him on my team, he's on my main event team, and I'm nervous whenever he pitches. And like, you get out you get out of there with a good one, and you are sweating bullets, wiping your brow. And you, you get the bad one, you're like, that's what I expected. So that's where I'm at with him too. So that's a great call on Eric Michael. Kopech I mean, is terrifying right now. Kopech, Lynn, Giolito, the White Sox best starter right now is Johnny Cueto. Like, what? Well, I don't it's understand what's going cease. on. Yeah. Cease. Well, cease. Cease. Yeah. Cease. Cease. Sorry, like, sorry. Cease. It is yeah. wild. Yeah, I, I'm the one. Guys. Say cease. <laughs> they got three guys going sideways right now, and I don't see any hope for Lynn either, to be quite honest. Well, and, and let's not forget, too, that uh, between injury and then weirdly walking away from baseball for a little bit, Kopech hasn't thrown a ton of it. Weirdly, but it was like it was for his mentals, and like he, yeah. had, he was yeah. out on the COVID year too. But like mm-hmm. you know, I think Eric's point about this being his first year as a starter is kind of jarring, and, and you have to remember that. I kind of forgot that myself, and it's like, yeah, you know, he we shouldn't have expected you know kind of smooth sailing here. So you know, he's somebody I'm not going to give up on in the long term, and I'm not cutting right now. Mm-hmm in the short term but like if you bench him just on principle i don't think that's necessarily a bad move right now with kopech yeah and i think there's a reasonable chance that the white Sox go out and get a starter and move him into the yeah, they gotta they, yeah. they gotta get a starter and he could be the one odd one out you're exactly right nick who's your guy well i mean i could i could just kind of shout from the hilltops about your toby's and stuff if i wanted to you know i could do like your adam wainwright and your merrill kelly and your even your Miles hey, didn't, Michaelis, I didn't you have Adam Wainwright in like your top stuff. fifty? Those guys are not going to hold that ERA. Is Tyler Anderson going to be this good in this changeup in the second half after not having an ERA above below four three since two thousand sixteen? I don't know. That's going to hold on. But all that aside, that's no fun. Um, there are two guys that kind of come to mind that we consider as top forty starters right now that I think could have rougher second halves, and one of them is already showing with Nestor Cortez, where uh, five of his last seven starts have come with four strikeouts or fewer. And that's right there is just like, wait a second. He doesn't have a swing strike rate pitch above 15%. Um, he has a slider that has a 29% called strike rate. Sweet. But that's him just getting free real estate, right? Early curveballs or early sliders trying to sneak them for called strikes and they can't get the called strike and move on. Um, and I think, honestly, I was affected when I saw Andrew McCutcheon put out his tweet about Nestor Cortez. Now, if you guys remember this, he talked about the fastball playing up really well. It comes at you, you know, it's like 91. It really feels like 95, 96. Mm -hmm. And that made me, I think, overrate the the four-seamer a bit, as it has good, but not elite, 12% swing strike rate. And what we're seeing is a really nice stretch for Cortez, where he had some pristine command. Everything was great. 
And now it's just kind of like, okay, you're all right. You're not really a sub three ERA guy. You're not really this like one whip. Did we lose Nick? Oh, we, we was in the middle. It's, it's such a cliffhanger right now. Right? I need to know. <laughs> he's not I a one whip guy. <laughs> I, I, I think he's making a great point, though, on so Cortez. Like... I'm enjoying. Oh, there he goes. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. You, uh, you I talked all the way through it. I went oh, all the way through that. I, I was trying to go black. I was like, I don't care. I'm going to defeat this Cape Cod internet. Uh, <laughs> Nestor Cortez, probably going to slow down in the second half. Second one is Shane Bieber, um, who I think has survived thus far because the slider has just been that good. 22% swing strike rate. But the fastball is worse. Uh, and, it, I mean, we're talking 90.8 miles per hour in peak Bieber times, like 94 and close to 95 even. And we just kind of settled in at 90, 91. I think it opens the door for a lot of problems. He was actually having them until we just saw, of course, him go nine innings, one and run against the White Sox. And now we think like, oh, that's totally fine. That might be what we call a Dennis, which is, you know, 30 Rocky shows up and never lasts. So uh, hopefully, hopefully it does stick around for Bieber. But I think the fastball does make him more susceptible than he used to be. And it might make for a Rocky second half. I, I should have done a full hour of just Nick explaining all the things. <laughs> Uh, you should actually do a video like that. Put it on your YouTube. I'm not even kidding. Oh, that's, that sounds great. Get someone to just put up a graphic of the term and move on. Exactly. Yeah. And then you just go I'll through what all I can do in the offseason. So, you know, I, I hear you on Bieber. Like, it, it, it makes sense. But I feel like he's always had a pretty mediocre fastball outside of uh, a, a couple. But, like, that's kind of the Cleveland way. Like, Bieber's fastball was Absolutely. always trash. 2019 it, but was when a, you lose, like, two or three ticks on it, no it just doubt. makes you even more vulnerable. I understand that, but he does have 105 great innings. So um, I like Bieber, but I I totally hear you on the concerns there. I'm going to take the easy one. I'm going to take Martin Perez because he still has a 268 ERA and like uh, run, run. Like uh, do not keep playing with this fire. Like he is doing some things to make it better. It's not just happening to him. I don't want to totally take all credit for him, but we know how this story ends. This is, I I would let Nick co-sign on this if this is true, but this feels like the biggest Vargas rule since Vargas, since it was named after Jason Vargas in 2017. This is the most extended Vargas rule that we've seen, which is simply somebody playing well above their, their means that uh, you keep riding it until you can't, but it will come back and it will, I just cannot believe that he's only going to allow 0.6 homers per nine on the year. Now, his home run rate is up, or his homer total is up to seven. It was at like one for the longest time. We've seen two, two, and one in his last three starts. It's already starting to happen with Martin Perez. I would go so far as to say if a 10 or, t- 10 or 12 team league, at the first bad start, the first start five earned runs or more, I would just move off of Perez in, in that format. That's yeah. really funny what Yancey just said. It's this complicated internet. What is this? Shit white people say? <laughs> okay, just so you know, I didn't hear his name, but I just heard what you said. I was like, this has to be Martin Perez the entire time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I took the easy way out. I understand. Good. I can't ignore that about Perez. It's about the cutter and sinker being on opposite edges, and then when they kind of fold over, um, yeah. they come into the middle, then it blows up. And yeah, that's what a Vargas rule ultimately is. Just avoid the heart of the plate and live on the edges. I mean, they're all major leaguers for a reason. Exactly, right? right? Like, he has talent, and the ground ball rate is helping that home run rate. Like, he is – Martin Perez is doing things that are helping him, but they are not going to sustain. And I still think he's a strong bet 
to end up with an ERA, a season ERA, not just from here forward, a season ERA that matches his 386 Sierra. And he's at a 268 ERA right now. It could be that bad in the second half for Martin oh, yeah. Perez uh, if he loses any of what's going on right now. All right, let's let's uh, let's move on to the stud pitcher who has struggled to begin the season that's going to continue to struggle there, Paul. Rodgers. I got to go Trent Rodgers, man. That's like, mine, too. Uh, oh, just, yeah. well, we got to yeah. start cutting this guy, too. I, we, we really have to start cutting him. I mean, you're already benching him, I hope, in a lot of scenarios right now. Um, I know he had like a two-step recently, and Colin and I took that stupid plunge, and we've been getting hit by – you know, we get – Trevor Rogers one day and then Lance Lynn the next day. We're just getting punched in the face uh, every other day, it seems. But yeah, like it hasn't been as horrendous of late. Um, he's mixed in a few good starts, but it's still bad with Trevor Rogers. And it all comes back to the changeup and the lack of right now. That thing uh, drives all of his success. And it's not there. It's rarely there. It's not even there inconsistently right now. I've never really, I have not seen it much at all this year. That. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Trevor Rogers change up. And like I said, everything's built off of that. Basically, you know, I play MLB the show a lot. And when you, when you miss a change up and it's like in that bottom third of the zone, it's an automatic homer. You can be playing the worst player ever. They're going to crush that. That's where his live. Those changeups are living in the bottom third instead of below the zone. They're supposed to be below the zone. And I just don't see it for Trevor Rogers this year. I loved him. I thought he was an ironclad, like lock him in. He is a G I believe in him. Totally dead wrong on Trevor Rogers. I'm nervous for the second half. I do not see that rebound coming. Yeah, no better decision for one of my main event teams in pairing Lucas Giolito and Trevor Rogers as my one-two <laughs> starters. You're winning that one? I'm not. I'm not winning that one. That Weird. that one that that one is not going very well. Uh, but Scott Jensen Scott Jensen can thank me because his team in that league is uh, in com uh, competition for the overall and i'm sure you protected him from yeah. Rogers. i protected he, he it like rogers too he was yeah, a big t Raj guy both taylor and uh and trevor nick who, who's your uh stud that you think is going to continue to disappoint it's hard to find one outside of that uh that's like yeah. a stud you know we talked about giolito of course before as you just mentioned uh and with trevor rogers it, it is kind of interesting he is getting more pitch separation these days but i'm not gonna tell you that's gonna work out i'm just when guys do things differently, I get intrigued. Uh, yeah, like, it doesn't mean it's going to do well. It's just he, different. He's had um, hints to, to get people to buy back in. You know, the seven strikeouts against Pittsburgh. I heard people talking up the 5Ks against the Angels. I watch every Trevor Rogers start. 23 whiffs against the Mets. You know, I remember. Like, oh, and then I remember. The Mets that the was, next time. Like, okay. That was no. when we were about to cut him too. When when Colin and I were about to cut him, and we and we fell for the 22, 23 swinging strikes. So yeah, it it's yeah. just not happening. Um, with Trevor I, I mean, I'm looking at my early list. I, I gotta say, in some ways, uh, unfortunately, just never came to fruition. The Irish Panda himself, uh, Patrick Sandoval, not come through in the way that I wanted him to. Um, you know, strikeouts are still kind of their three year ray, fine, but the one forty three whip is just destroying us the whip is uh, and th we've seen some light recently uh of you know we have seen change of some slider whiffs come back a bit you know he had some tough matchups recently he got the astros and i believe another tough start the other day i can't remember which one it was uh but uh of the dodgers that's what it was um and you know i'm not going to grade him too harshly for that but i essentially want to see a world where it's a cleveland guardians pitcher Right, where he is the change up in the side, just overly dominating. Actually, the closest I can think of really is is like Carlos Carrasco in his prime, and just not yeah. seeing it from from Patrick Sample. It's too consistent, too volatile at the moment. 
Um, because honestly, outside of Rogers and Giolito, and I guess we mentioned Bueller before, or like any other injury. Brios, we kind of covered everything. Brios, yeah. Brios kind of is interesting. Done. He's a great undulator. I wonder how the next two two months are gonna go. Because yeah, will he undulate better? But back to the positive. The one. This is the worst one. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, but yeah, Patrick Sandoval probably is the one for me that I don't don't really see him being as consistent as I want him to be right now, and I can't buy into it. Nick, uh, real quick, uh, Justin, how much does does Sandoval remind you of uh, Lu- Lu- Luis Castillo uh, down to his struggles, like change up? Oh, first, interesting. Uh, ground ball rate with a bad defense that helps raise the whip, uh, walk rate that can help raise the whip. I've been seeing a lot of parallels between them. I fell hard for both. I still love both. Hmm. But when he struggles, I think it's similar to when Castillo struggles, not the cold weather thing, but like, again, the walks get built up from the changeup not being there. It's a touch and feel pitch. That's why it's inconsistent. I see some links between them. Am I, am I off base there? Oh, Nick disagrees. That's why he left. <laughs> He's like, I cannot handle this guy. Uh, but but froze his brain. Froze his brain. I have all these wise things to say. Uh, no, <laughs> same I'm, again, same again. You know, Luis Castillo to me was also rooted in the fastball being good. And I was wrong about True. that initially because it was hard and it looked like he had times in good command, but it's gotten better recently. Yes. But with Sandoval, it, it I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't quite feel the same way of the approach, but the numbers I do understand too. I think, uh, yeah, uh, sometimes it makes like, statistical, yeah, I make statistical comps there and that's fair. But the change up first as well and the inconsistency of the change up, but I hear you on the fastball discrepancies between them. Go ahead, Eric. I'm sorry. That's oh, all Nick right. Rose again. Nick's going to be um, talking. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't even know anymore. He's standing. Unbelievable. This Cape Cod internet. This Cape Oh, my God. This is ridiculous. <laughs> These lobsters are day old. Oh, my God. Uh. If, you, if you're listening to this in podcast form <laughs> later on, go back and watch the video because that was uh, fantastic. Eric, do you want to finish that on this topic? Uh, are you sure. sticking with Trevor Rogers? Yeah, I mean, Trevor Rogers was, was mine too. I will say not uh, – I agree with what Nick was talking about in terms of like like studs not really applying here. I will say I, I thought that Sonny Gray was going to take a uh, – was going to jump going to Minnesota, getting out of Cincinnati. Um, I thought there was going to be some positive growth there, and I've just been super disappointed. Um, and the last you know month or so has been really bad. Um, there's just no swinging strikes at all. So th- that's one for me also where it's just like – not a stud, but I was higher on Sonny Gray coming into the year than I had any right to be. And, you know, getting rid of him in, in most places um, while also trying to keep my thoughts together while Nick is is freezing just even more <laughs> rapidly um, as, as, as we're going on and on. <laughs> This is fantastic. All right, we uh, we got about 15 minutes left, and we still need to give away a prize from okay. Potapalooza. So uh, let's we're gonna do kind of a lightning round. Um, I've picked uh, one guy from each of you uh, that you either like or dislike. Um, and Nick doesn't seem frozen right now, so we'll start with him. Why do you hate Logan Gilbert? Okay, can you guys tell me which? A secondary pitch uh, Logan Gilbert has that has a 12% swing strike rate. Is it a slider? Is it a curveball or is changeup? Is it none? It's none! <laughs> none! I'm guessing none, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. It, it drives me nuts. Uh, and the fact that you can't really He's a kitchen sink lean on anything. Slider gets the most usage. 22% CSW on it. Not just like swing strike rate. He just doesn't get called strikes on that pitch a lot. Sometimes he does spin in the curveball, but that's about it. And I love the four-seamer, but without those secondary support, 
Uh-oh. I was going to say, without those secondaries to back it up. Yeah, it's hard, I mean, he got, it's hard he got to the, trust the, him. The, the gist. Out. The gist of it. I, I, Logan Gilbert is not no, 276 ERA, true talent right now, but I still really, really like him. Go ahead. We got You got most of I it I mean, out, with the, yeah, with most the first of it so good, but he doesn't have the supporting cast, and it just means the there second is going to be tougher. There you go. There you go. All right. Um, we were going to roast uh, Michael Simeone on his Sandy Alcantara. That's eight. why he's not here. Um, yes, this is why he decided <laughs> not to come. Don't believe any other reason. Oh, I saw – he, yeah, he sent me a text message. I saw that on the rundown, and I now I have to back out because I don't know that how I can defend <laughs> hating Sandy Alcantara. Um, so, uh, but this is just, you know, we miss you, Mike. We wish you could have been <laughs> here, but boo you. Uh, uh, Paul, why uh, why do you have uh, Turek Skubal ranked so high? Because he's amazing. And at the time, you guys weren't asking anything about it. You waited until he fell off a bit, and now you're asking all these questions, so I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Look, I was I was bought in early, obviously. Like, I, I, One thing I do hate is, like, if I rank a Tiger high, it's like, oh, it's just because it's a Tiger. Like, I feel like I'm always pretty difficult on my Tigers. But, you know, my biggest breakout this year was Akil Badu, who's also a Tiger. So everyone's like, you're a homer. I was like, okay, whatever. Uh, but, you know, I believed in the early part of, of what Scooble was doing with the home run suppression, never to the degree. You know, he allowed two homers in his first 10 starts, both at, uh, at Houston. It was never going to be that much. But when we saw the struggles, it was the first couple uh, – the first couple outings, I was like, this is okay. This is natural regression. Then things took a, a turn there, and the walks came back. The home runs came back. And I was like, this is 20, 2021, Scooble, and I'm terrified. But he has steadied out. His last three starts uh, have been much better. Obviously, Oakland is a great prescription. Anytime your pitcher is ailing, he comes back out of the uh, break and dominates on Thursday. So I still love Scooble. Obviously, I was fully drunk on, on what he did in his first 10 starts when I ranked him 14th. Um, he's going to move down from there, but not a ton. Like I still fully believe in him. I still fully believe he's a must start across all formats. So I'll move him down. And I was, I, you know, I got overzealous based on that, those first few, but it's not like I'm out on Scooble and I don't really see any reason to be super negative on him either. All right, Eric, what is it about the color gray that has you believing in <laughs> John and Josiah? Um, I should also mention that uh, my three-week-old son is named Gray. So that's that just the end, you that's believe the end of the analysis. so much that you named your child after that. <laughs> after both of those pictures. Literally yeah. the, the end and of the analysis. And you just said done. you were believing in Sonny Gray to start the season. That's yeah, true. No, now I don't. Um, yeah, I, let's, let's, we'll, we'll quick hit a little bit. Um, the Josiah Gray thing is interesting. Um, it's a, it's pitch mix change, right? So, Josiah Gray was throwing his slider uh, just under 20% of the time in April. In June, he was throwing it 34.5% of the time. Um, and the slider was being used at the expense of his fastball. The fastball was down from uh, 47% in April to 36% in June, which is great because the slider has a 21.7% swinging strike rate. And the fastball has a 7.5% swinging strike rate. And the slider has a 36.6% CSW and just a 5% barrel rate allowed. And the fastball has a 24% CSW and a 17.5% barrel rate allowed. Um, and Josiah Gray also has a good curveball. It's got a 16.2% swinging strike rate and 34% CSW on the curveball. So I thought him being really focusing on the off speed and then using the fastball off of the off speed to me 
made more sense to him. It made it made him a more dynamic pitcher. But the fastball is not a good pitch. So there's always the caveat that like if the breaking balls aren't working or if he doesn't have feel for it in a particular start and has to rely on the fastball, um, it's not like, you know, he th- then he kind of still has some recipe for disaster. Um, we did see he's only made two July starts, but the slider usage has fallen back down to the mid-20s and the fastball usage has gone back up. So it's only two starts. We don't want to read too much into it. But for me, the slider usage with uh, Josiah Gray is something to really keep an eye on. And then John Gray, um, it's actually velocity. So um, over the last month in general, John Gray has a 264 ERA, 297 Sierra, 23.2% strikeout minus walk ratio. Um, his fastball velocity was 96.1 in June, and so far in July it's 96.5, uh, and it was 94.5 in April. So he's gained about two miles an hour on fastball velocity, which um, is important and has helped the performance. The fastball velocity, the fastball CSW in June is 30, uh, and it was 23.6% in April. Uh, also, we talked about this, like you know, Eno Saris was talking about the sweeper that Gray added oh. early in the year, but we've actually seen that the movement has increased on his slider as the year has gone on. So I think that he wasn't either. He wasn't fully using that sweeper early in the year, or he was still kind of messing around with it, but the slider has gained horizontal movement as the year has gone on, which has made it also a better pitch. So when you pair that with the fastball velocity going up um, to me, it's super interesting. And, you know, we'll see if the fastball velocity sticks through the rest of the year. But John Gray was another one that I didn't mention early on where I think you could get a second half breakout. Because if this maintains, if this like slider profile and fastball velocity maintains in that pitcher's park, like I think there's a really strong second half coming for John Gray. But don't you love it when a plan comes together too? Like we desperately wanted him out of course for John Gray for years. It finally happens and he's awesome. Like oh, it, it actually is panning out. However, it just makes me pine for Herman right. Marquez to get out of there even more. And I know he's not because the one smart thing that they do is not trade him because they know that they can't cultivate right. pitching. So right. it actually is really smart <laughs> for them to not trade him, even though we wish he would in fantasy. Really quickly, John Gray, last eight starts, one eight one ERA, 0.95 with 30% strike rate. You're completely right, Eric. The velocity going up is beautiful. Slider's great. With Josiah Gray, we know what's really interesting. Last two starts, he actually had 30% fastball usage in the last one, but the one other one was about 45%. Yeah. He got 11 whiffs out of it out of nowhere. Uh, so he's like, all right, this is good. I'm going to throw that. Right. Um, and it's kind of weird because, as you mentioned, like the low swing striker for the year on it. But there are these days where all of a sudden he's able to locate up and get the ride that he needs. And yeah, the more that he leans on the curveball and the slider, like beautiful sub 20 percent, actually sub 13 percent hard contact banting on both, which is really good. Um, so as long as he can find those and maybe be a Guardians pitcher, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Josiah Gray can be great. So I love both those picks there. Well, one, cool. one thing, and, on and that Josiah. goes back to I was gonna say, Paul, you've always yeah, said ahead. like that prospect growth isn't linear, right? We know that that Josiah Gray was a big time pitching prospect, yes. and just be, and he had massive swinging strike rates last year in his debut, but the result, the other results weren't great. But it's just like patience and letting things develop, and that's also what I was gonna say when you're to your point about John Gray is like John Gray had a really bad May. He had an ERA over five at the beginning of the year. And there were a lot of people that were like, oh, see, getting out of cores doesn't make a difference. And it's just it's just understanding that, like, with pitching in general, but with pitching where you're taking a pitcher and drastically changing an element of what they do, there's not an instantaneous 
fix. No. Right? Nick, Nick may not admit this, but like pitchers need a little bit of like massaging and coddling and like what? they really need to be kind of like They're little talked. babies. They need to be like kind of helped Alex things fast. Things. Yeah. <laughs> they need to be helped through things. And like you can't just be like, oh, he's now in Texas. He's going to be immediately good. No, it's going to yeah. take some recalibrating. It's going to take some adjusting. Also, he was learning a new pitch. It's going to take some time for that to factor in. Learning like, a new team, don't a new change city immediately. too. Right. Yeah. Like that sort of stuff. We don't really always take into account because we don't know how it affects guys one to one. Right. Like some guys will uh, immediately transition. They're adaptable. They're good. Other guys take some time. So you, we never know that sort of stuff off the field, too. Um, I love Josiah Gray and the upside is rich. My only worry with him is that the downside is still severe because of the home runs. And I do think that we still kind of underrate how devastating of a hitters park uh, Nats park is. Mm. So he does play in a tough spot. Doesn't take me off of him, though. This is the type of guy that I'm willing to take some of the bruises just because the upside is rich. And I'm talking in a long-term situation, especially for Josiah Gray. Like, I think he's going to have maybe a little bit of an up and down rest of the way, but he's going to be one of those guys that everyone's looking forward to next year. I think there's going to be mm -hmm. the huge breakout calls for Josiah Gray next year if it doesn't completely happen in the second half here. Well, what I'm looking forward to is Eric naming his next child McClanahan Samosa <laughs> um, in honor of Shane it McClanahan. Ro it rolls off the tongue. It really does. McClanahan's right? a pretty cool name. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a pretty sick name. But we need to give away a prize because what we're doing today is we're raising money for Big League Impact. Every dollar you donate, either via PayPal to justinmasonfantasy at gmail.com or Venmo uh, at Justin Salinger. I think it's actually Justin hyphen Salinger. Um, you can see down below on the ticker uh, get, gets you a raffle ticket to win cool prizes. And Nick is giving away a cool prize. So, Nick, why don't you tell us what it is and we'll give it away. Yeah, coming out on our Discord, uh, you get a free year of PL Plus uh, where you get an happy website. You get your recommend. feed. You get my own exclusive podcast in the morning. Um, you get access to our thousand member Discord. So uh, come hang out. We're there all the time. And, uh, yeah, good luck to whoever wins, uh, wins a free year of PL Plus. Well, and we are almost at $1,000. We are currently at $971, in part thanks to some big donations, one from our very own Nick Pollock and a good buddy of mine who's going to be on later, Howard Bender. Uh, and I've done the randomizer, and Nick Pollock has won the year of That's PL+. Plus. freaking <laughs> hilarious. So, but no, I'll take me up all of that. I'll, I'll, just, I'll move down to the next guy, who's Michael Mortensen. Congratulations, Michael. I will get you in touch with Nick Pollock for that year of PL+. Plus. We only have a couple minutes to go, so I want to give you guys an opportunity to uh, promote your work, remind people where you've reached. Eric, remind everybody where you can reach and what you do. Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at SamskyNYC. Um, you can check out my fantasy uh, baseball work at over at Rotoballer. Um, I am starting a or I started a series which will continue through the second half of the season, looking at uh, pitch mix changes. Um, the idea being kind of to help you not just say like you know this pitcher is good, but to identify changes they're making so you can look and see for yourself like what this pitcher is doing and keep an eye on things to see if the results kind of track through the second half of the year uh, and you can follow my mlb betting stuff i put it online but it's also uh, amnewyork.com slash sports um, and you can check out my betting content there and the catcher's corner is coming back next week so look for that on where you can find all of your podcasts 
And congratulations on the birth of your first child. Yeah, uh, always uh, an amazing uh, moment to become a dad. It changes your life. I, you're gonna enjoy it. Yeah, drastically, but it's been great. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, it looks like Nick is frozen, so we're gonna move to Paul. Paul, why don't you remind people where you can be reached and what you're working on? I'm on Twitter and Twitch at Sporer. Uh, Obviously, I'm over at Fangraphs doing the sleeper in the bus with you. And uh, writing most days and hanging out with this one. This one turned seven yesterday. Woo! So look at her. She's getting old. I'm not old. Shut the heck up. Anyway, this is Charlotte. <laughs> but uh, Justin, great work with this. This is awesome. Appreciate you doing this. And great talking with you, Eric and Nick. You guys are great. And Nick, close us out. Tell us where you've reached and what you do. Well, first of all, you should go follow Justin Mason at Friends of Fantasy Benefits on Twitter. You should follow Eric Samulski at Samski NYC as all. I'm frozen again? No, no you're, you're, good. Good. you're good. You're good. Uh, now, now he's you're frozen. frozen. <laughs> now he's frozen. <laughs> he's predicting the he prediction. It. The prediction of it is it's what like makes it just so good. Before it happens. Like, uh, he's like, uh, that's yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> it's, this whole thing has just been unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I'll, I'll, fine, fine, fine. I'll hold. I'll hold. Yeah. Okay. okay. Uh, so you can, um, you know, follow Sam Ski at NY, uh, NYC. You can follow Spore at Spore. You can follow me, of course, at Pitcherless. Check me out in the morning, 11 day to 12. No, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time on Twitch every weekday morning. Come hang out. I'll answer all the questions for free. So, Justin, this is such a great event. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Thank Justin, this is awesome. So Thanks again. I really appreciate it. Uh, You'll be able to catch this one on a podcast form. I'll put this one on the Sleeper and Bus feed as well as on the TGFBI feed. So uh, if you're subscribed to either of those, you'll get that. Uh, But if you're listening later, make sure you go back and watch the video because Nick Freezing is is the uh, star of this show. I'm going to unceremoniously boot you guys all out. Josh Sperry, Josh Sperry, if you're watching this, go through and get all of the Nick funny reactions please and make it a super cut please josh (laughs) amazing editor please do it please 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 Take a bow, finish on top. I'ma set the standard. Don't believe me? You could check the standings. When I draft, I make smart selections. Got more sleepers than a narcoleptic. Meet your match, kid. My lineup's nasty. It's far fetched thinking you might catch me. No surprise, I'm taking home the prize. Only time I rest is a playoff buy. Make amazing finds off the waiver wire all day and night. Better stay retired. See me in first, all proud and cozy. Bro, please, I can't even count my trophies. Bragging, even with my bats. Slumping, I'ma pack a punch, that track a junkie. Only one little wanna play. First place in my league. Got a blockbuster on the way. And a pick up on my sleeve. They call my team insane. Say I'm the one to beat. So you better bring me.